Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, themfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast, brought to you by the Collective Experience, the Collective EX on Instagram, as well as the CollectiveXP.com is where you can go and Basically, sign up for a a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to experience motocross like you've never done it ever before. Get on the floor for Supercross. Watch Justin Barsha get all kinds of sideways at the St. Louis Supercross while you stand on the floor and he goes basically upside down over that over-under bridge. Or if you happen to go to an outdoor national where you can get up close and personal with all kinds of race teams and get plugged in to the motocross industry, you need to go check out the collective xp.com and if you're not already following the collective xp or collective ex on instagram you need to go do that right now stop what you're doing pause the podcast you can come back to us later go over to instagram and follow the collective ex i am your host brad gebhardt and this podcast is brought to you by medterra cbd you can enter discount code bigmx radio 15 to save 15 percent every time that you shop at medterracbd.com i finally went to a supercross again it had almost been Two years since the last time I was at a Supercross, uh, maybe less than two years, it was uh, Atlanta 2018, but we took a full year off in 2019 to focus on school and get things ready otherwise, and uh, mostly for budgeting reasons, because traveling to Supercrosses are expensive, maybe I can't go to as many as this guy does on the line, he's a rock star in that respect, but it was good to finally be back, and uh, I finally got to hang out with my good friend, Dave Drakes. How's it going? What's up, man? Yeah, still reeling from this weekend. Yes. So good to have you back at the races, man. It was long overdue. Um, but I, like I said before in our live, I think the, uh, you could My break of going to the races or your drive back and forth? <laughs> uh, I think your break at the races, dude. That felt like it was a lifetime, man. But uh, you picked a, a good one to come back to, man. The racing was awesome. The track was great. We have a lot to talk about in terms of storylines. Uh, yes. Yeah, we, we got to make it a habit, man, if you get into it, at least seven of these things, at very minimum. Fair enough. Well, we got we got a couple more booked and ready to rock. Uh, like you said, these things ain't cheap, and I'm on a student salary, but uh, we'll, we'll try and make as many as we can as the, the days and weeks go forward. Uh, really cool to go go there again. Seeing you at the track, you picked from from up from the airport, uh, bl- blaring. I believe it was uh, Barbie Girl by uh, Aqua, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was Doctor Jones. <laughs> yeah. um, for all t- for all those around me to listen to and laugh as the rain came pouring down in St. Louis. I appreciate not only the pickup but also the uh, uh, ser- being serenaded by your uh, clapped out. Um, Volkswagen Jetta. Um, what was the highlight of the weekend for you, my friend? Uh, finally getting to uh, to get the two of us at the track, track walk, the whole nine yards, spending time in the pits, uh, trying to put things together that way. Like uh, th- this was a really uh, a really fun weekend. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, this is probably one of the most fun weekends I've had at a race in a, in a little while. I mean, um, just having you there in the pits, kind of. Getting a little bit of information from the from the riders and from the fans and the, the TCE uh, interns and um, VIP experience fangoers, um, it was just really cool having just a lot of people around with uh, with good energy. Um, I mean, we had a blast watching qualifying. Those guys were just going all out because the track limited itself to such uh, aggressive and just all out fast riding. 
um, we were really treated to some really cool stuff. And the main event was just, it was awesome, man. LCQ in the 450 was awesome. Um, I can't, I, it'd be hard for me to pinpoint one thing. I just, I think it just all culminated to probably one of the better race weekends I've had, uh, you know, in Supercross. And uh, hopefully they, they end up like this a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was absolutely top to bottom from the minute I woke up to the second I went to bed, just an all out, just, just bash, man. Super fun. For sure, man. It, like I, I absolutely loved it, and like you said, all of the storylines from this weekend, like the, the 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 fast qualifying times. We'll get into it here, but there was nothing short of things to talk about from the St. Louis Supercross. For everybody who uh, griped about having to go across the country to make this second round happen, we were uh, we were rewarded for our efforts by uh, just a, a great weekend of racing, whether it be uh, the time qualifying where Adam Cincerullo went three for three again for the second week in a row, making it a perfect six for six in, in qualifying or untimed qualifying practices where he was the fastest, um, to uh, your, your eventual main event winner. Uh, the storylines are pretty much endless. So let's crack into this thing. Let's talk 450s here for the uh, Monster Energy Supercross Series. How, uh, what do you think? Um, I, I think that this shape up to be a really good 50 man event. Um, I think this year, especially starts are so crucial for these guys, man. And, um, the, the guys that we saw at the front, like Kenny Roxon got out to an awesome start. Um, I want to just note that pretty much all three of the Husky guys got blazing starts. Those white bikes are so fast. I think your next bike should be a Husky man. I think you would uh you'd like you'd like a, a husky underneath you, man, especially a, a little two stroke. <laughs> but uh, I like it. Yeah, it, it yeah. Was just, I mean, why, I feel like you you would blend well with that bike. Um, but yeah, it was uh it was really really cool to see like a lot of the guys that we thought should be at the front, sort of at front battling. It was great to see Zach Osborne um kind of ride to his potential at least for the first couple of laps where he was battling back and forth with Kenny for a little bit before he made that pass on him before. I'm gonna call it the quote unquote triple triple section um but really a double over the over the uh the start straight um i thought it should to be a really good a really good race we got to see a fan favorite kenny finally get the win after so many years of being denied that win after his you know whole rebound rehab of his arm uh we got to see really cool battle for like that fifth fourth spot all the way back to maybe seventh eighth really really cool to see those guys kind of jockeying but um, you know, pulling the trigger was a little bit of a of a melee for for some of those guys, but uh, I think it was a really good race. I mean, um, all in all, I, I there's just so many cool points to, to to break out. I don't know what's cooler if it's Ken Roxon's win or Justin Barsha kind of following up with his uh, great ride last weekend, or you know the the AC kind of hand to these guys only to make a mistake in the last couple of turns on, on the last couple of laps. I mean, there's there's so much to kind of dig into, man. It's it's it was a good one, no doubt. Well, the like you said, the it was a very start dependent race. Um, Kenny starts in the in the number two spot. He makes a very quick move on Zach Osborne, who uh, took your whole shot. He led through that first straightaway, but it wasn't long before Kenny took the lead because I think he kind of uh, saw the way that uh, things sort of. Uh, shuffled out in the first lap there he said i need to make a move i need to move forward and uh he all he led all but one lap and um and and goes ahead and wins his first main event in almost three years 
the last time he won was the second round in San Diego, 2017. Uh, amazing to see this thing come full circle. I realize that he's won an outdoor since, uh, since coming back, but to really complete the story, he had to win a supercross and he does it at round two, um, in St. Louis, uh, and just controlled it. He, he, he didn't have a big lead, uh, but was like, he just, whether it be the uh, the four over the table in the one rhythm section, or going three 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 one in the one rhythm section, or I believe he was the only one of the only guys going two three, or maybe it was three two. Yeah, no two three, uh, right before the over under bridge. He had every single one of those tricky spots in his back pocket. He put the bike exactly where he needed to, and uh, and eventually put it on the top step of the podium. Um, Ken Roxon is a Supercross uh, main event winner in 2020. Great to see it. One hundred percent. I mean, the guy works so hard. Uh, we've seen, you know, sort sort of his decline after the whole um, arm injury. We've seen the storylines again and again. We've seen him sort of make a a, a good run at the front. I mean, I'll be denied just just so many times. So to finally see Kenny get up there and get a win and see the emotions and all the hard work pay off, it was great, man. It was really really good to see. Gives all those all of us out out there hope. You know, no matter how many times we get beat down. Just keep coming back because it'll it'll pay off in the end. Um, I, I know as a, as a Kenny Roxon fan, I was really really excited to see that. Um, one thing I will I will say is that I really hope that this is the start of something for Kenny. I, I want to see him use this win, the confidence, um, the momentum, all of this to to sort of get back to that top spot because for so many years Kenny was the guy. You know, I, I know now we're talking about Tomac as being the guy, um, whether he kind of lives up to that or not, depending on the race. But Kenny was the guy, and it would be really cool to see him sort of be brought up in that same breath as like a Tomac um, or a Webb, because so many people do write this guy off. So um, if he if he can keep this momentum going up into you know next week, the week after, um, this what could that do for the championship? I mean, what could that do for knocking dethroning people like Super Webb or kind of keeping Eli Tomac in check? What does that say for um, for AC's confidence moving forward? I mean, this could have a whole shakeup. Um, that I think people may, might not have been expecting to happen. So um, a lot of, of repercussions here, and it's, and it's really cool to see that. I mean, I really hope that this starts something for Kenny, like I said, and, and he, he starts to put the pieces together to start rebuilding himself as that top elite rider. Absolutely. I think he's reestablished himself, and uh, he's a, he'll be a force to be reckoned with the rest of this championship. It's amazing what uh, a great day will do for you. Um, what do you make of, a, of AC? Um, he seemed to be, obviously he was the fastest guy in practice every single session. Uh, the kid just, he, he, he knows how to put in a lap. Um, but a little bit off kilter during the main event. And I think after, uh, he sort of, what happened was <clears throat> he ended up missing the, uh, the, the quad over at the table in the one rhythm section and ended up sort of overcooking the corner on the inside before, uh, like right behind Zacho, and that basically like sort of forced him into forcing the issue on Zach. I don't think he intended to make his move at that particular spot. He was sort of just forced to do so based on the fact that he was just so out of shape coming into that corner. And I think it, if it wasn't the next corner, it was not long after that. Zach comes back, um, like guns a blazing, and basically uh, almost uh, punts. Uh, Adam right off the track. He certainly wasn't able to double over top of the the, the start straight, and, and that was basically the the race right there. As far as uh, Adam Cincirillo, I think he got a little bit pumped up. 
Um, he was he wasn't able to to really remount the same kind of charge, and then he ends up going down late in uh, in the race, which uh, would basically was that maybe like a, like a few corners to go. There's like five corners to go, and he and uh, he would have he should have gotten fourth in that race. Ends up uh, ends up with a uh, a seventh place for the for the night. Now is tied, I believe, in uh, ten points back. Um, him and Jason Anderson are now tied. Um, so, like, what what do you make of, uh, of Adam's uh, main event? Uh, some speed shown, uh, some aggression that we were. I was surprised to see, although, like I said, it was. I think that was a little bit unintentional, but uh, it was there regardless. Uh, what do you make of the the young uh, budding superstar in the 450 class in his second main event? Um, I really like the way AC's riding. I mean, it's no secret I'm an AC fan, um, but I, I really didn't expect him to follow up those um, "quote unquote" hype filled rides like MEC his his 450 debut um, A1. You know, being all the all the excitement around it, I, I expected him to do pretty good at those. Um, I didn't really. Um, you know, think he would do badly. I didn't think he'd set the world on fire, but I mean, he, he did very, very good those first few races. Um, coming into St. Louis, I kind of expected him to not carry that same momentum. Like kind of the hype kind of died down a little bit. Uh, maybe, um, uh, some of the pressure maybe getting to him a little bit because he is having such good, like, you know, back to back rides. If we're including MEC is a, a super cross type deal. Um, but in, uh, in, in qualifying, uh, the guy topped top the leaderboard. I mean, it was super cool to, to see uh, a rookie who is relatively young come and, and dethrone guys that are known for getting hot laps, like, you know, someone like a Roxanne or even Cooper sometimes or um, Eli Tomac, like Osborne. I mean, these are all guys that are very, very fast, um, and I can't tell you how hard they train, how developed they are on their motorcycle and AC's kind of best in these guys as a rookie. So uh, it was a little bit of a, of a surprise to me to see him continue to carry that momentum week after week after week. Um, but uh, I will say I did expect him to falter a little bit during some of the mains. And he did that this weekend. AC is a guy that is extremely hard charging, very, very quick, very talented. Roger's a lot, a lot of speed. Um, but he tends to push the front a little bit. And I gave uh, a likeness sort of to uh, to James Stewart when he was racing on the Cowie team. The guy would be all up blazing fast, but there were so many races where he would come into a corner and tuck the front, um, just carrying so much corner speed or just getting a little bit ahead of himself. And AC is following um, in those same footsteps. I think this comes with a little bit of... Uh, maybe over-eagerness or maybe a little bit of bike setup. We did know that a lot of guys who tend to do that have a really stiff front end feel, um, and Stewart being one of those guys. So I think over the, over the next couple of weeks, AC is going to try to um, get that bike set up a little bit better. Um, he was he did look pretty decent through like the whoops and through some of the transitions, but maybe getting a setting where his force might not be as harsh so that these little mishaps in the corner don't exaggerate themselves into an all-out fall. Um, I think he'll be much better off. But, I mean, the guy is running very, very well. You can't really tell the difference between AC and a guy who's been in the class for a number of years. He looks very mature, very polished, except for these little mishaps that he's having. Um, if he did not have that fall, I mean, we could be talking about this guy being in a you know, fifth, fourth spot, depending on how well he, he maintained um, his composure. I mean, hell, he could have even ran down uh, Anderson for, for a podium. Um, in a clear track and 
um, decent enough focus. But uh, I think he's going to be doing stuff for next weekend. I think he's going to start to uh, even perform even better and, and sort of mitigate a, little, a lot of these little issues that he's having, a lot of these little missteps, and um, come back swinging. But uh, personally, I was pretty surprised that he followed up uh, A1 with a pretty damn decent day. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens, man. I think he's going to learn from this like he normally does and uh, come back swinging. There it is. The kid's got crazy speed, and if if uh, we, we've said it a million times, we can work with speed. Something like you, you can't teach that really. You can you can t- tighten things up, but the kid just goes balls out and uh, and makes something special happen on weekends. Uh, I expect this kid to to win races this weekend this year. Uh, I was on, I was on the bandwagon from the very beginning. I said after uh, the outdoor championship, this kid will win multiple Supercross races in 2020. Uh, he's pretty much uh, already proved me uh, right. I think he's. It's only a matter of time before he gets one of these things. It's actually uh, at this point uh, the biggest question is whether he wins one or uh, Eli wins one first. Eli Tomac was finally at full powers again this last weekend. Unfortunately, he's one of the only guys who finished inside the top ten. Who uh, actually, I believe he's one of the only. Yeah, he's he's one of the only guys who finished in the top ten who actually started outside the top 10. He was 12th on the first lap, but if you saw him come down the, the, the first straightaway through that 3-3-1 rhythm section, uh, I think he was mired in about 18th. So uh, making some passes on the first lap, making those count, making those stick, and ending up uh, just one spot off the podium... Um, he was he was super fast in qualifying. He was jumping things that other people weren't. He was going three two uh, in the section after the finish line, which I don't think anybody else was doing consistently. He was one of the first guys to do it uh, and, and doing it with some serious authority, uh, chasing after his teammates. With I think uh, having Adam uh, not only probably maybe frustrates Eli a little bit. He wants to be the big dog under the tent, but also motivates him to to start sending it a little bit more uh, in these qualifying uh, rounds. So I think the the two of them are going to sort of uh, encourage each other to get things to the next level. But uh, um, a, a very strong day from Eli Tomac. Uh, and basically, I think about a fourth is about as good as he was going to do, uh, starting as poorly as he did. Because like you said, very start-dependent series. These guys that start at the front, they stay there because uh, the, these tracks, they're, they're not as hard-packed as they used to be. There's not as many uh, spots where you can uh, overcook the corners, slide the thing in sideways. Like, you have to be very picky with your line selection and and that doesn't uh, uh bode well if you uh if you make things difficult for you yourself on the on the, the opening laps so uh eli tomac was really impressive but the the guy that i really want to talk about maybe the quietest night of them all the quietest podium ride that i can think of for a long period of time was jason anderson i literally had to ask at the end at the end of the moto who got who got third because he, the guy was just sort of steady eddie he, he kind of had a gap to both Barsha and to the uh, the guys who were fighting over fourth behind him. And uh, just a solid ride. That's uh, And now he's tied for third in the points. And uh, just quietly, slowly but surely, making himself a contender for this 2020 championship, Jason Anderson. Yeah, I mean, what's funny about Anderson is that the guy's a relatively flashy rider. But man, he, he, can, he can ride so smooth. And, and sort of avoid a lot of this controversy and a lot of the battles and a lot of the jostling that we see uh, in some of his uh, some of his other competitors. So um, this guy is very, he's very crappy in that way, where he can kind of slide under the radar. And I could very well see Jason Anderson being a guy that is consistently 
third, fourth, second, third with these with these quiet rides. And before you know it, boom, this guy's got a red plate just from being so consistent. Where not many guys are. I think so far it's just pretty much Barsha that's been like the quote unquote most consistent guy. Um, but Anderson is, is riding very, very well. I'm actually surprised in, uh, about how well he's doing uh, because he's uh, relatively kind of written off. I mean, no one's really talking about him since well, a couple of years ago when he won the championship. And ever since then, with his injury, uh, having to miss a few, uh, a few races here and there, uh, messing up some of the outdoors, I mean, we really don't really don't get a chance to talk about him as much as I think he deserves to be talked about. And uh, he, he's put himself on a lot of people's radars, albeit uh, very quietly, but he, he's doing it. And uh, I think he's riding with, with a, a, lot of, a lot of speed, a lot of smart, I, I want to say, a lot of smarts. He's using his head, um, avoiding a lot of these real sticky situations, and got a phenomenal start with the rest of his uh, Husky teammates this weekend. So uh, really cool to see. Jason Anderson still vying for podiums, still being a threat, um, and he could very well be that one guy that we're talking about at the end of the season that, hey, man, we did not see this coming. This guy rode so quiet, so well, and he's uh, the number one plate holder. I mean, it's, it wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be too far-fetched, and we certainly had crazier things happen in the sport. So uh, I, I really like Jason Anderson's chances. I'm excited to see if he can keep this going. Um, I really liked um, how he's going to perform, I think, at around, like, um, Phoenix. Uh, I think he's really going to do uh, some, some damage on a track where he can kind of hang it out a little bit more, a little bit bigger layout, uh, carry some more speed. And if those starts are dialed in like they were this weekend, he's going to be a definite threat for a win at that race. And he, he absolutely will. I, I was super impressed. I think that he's sort of flying under the radar, which is exactly what he likes to do, uh, and he'll continue doing so over the next weeks before until we just start hyping him up. Like it'll be it'll be one of those things where he'll be uh, quiet as a mouse until he's the story to talk about. Um, but uh, between him and Justin Barsha, like two guys that during our preseason podcast where we didn't give either guy a ton of love. Um, they've got their share of the top three in points and, and Barsha carrying the points lead after, after two rounds, uh, and a little six point lead, like pretty impressive, a very, very strong ride, uh, for second spot. Um, like I, I think I need him to back it up one or two more weekends before I'm saying Justin Barsha is 100% a bonafide, uh, championship contender. Obviously he's got the points lead right now, but we've seen that in the past. Um, but if he, if, if, if Justin Barsha has found some consistency and we know he's got the speed he has for a long period of time, uh, watch out because that is just one more guy thrown in, into the mix consistently at the front of this pack that's going to make those starts that much more important. Um, and uh, and he's looking good out there, man. The Putting the Yamaha up front, uh, didn't leave any laps this round, but uh, uh, pretty damn close. And uh, yeah, he, he uh, uh, not as quiet a night as Jason Anderson, but... Uh, um, pretty solid two two weekends from Justin Barsha. Um, like, what, what do you need to see some from Barsha at A two to sort of solidify that uh, uh, that contender status that uh, he's looking for? I think if I could see Barsha get another podium, um, I would I would hop on board the Barsha train. Um, watching that guy ride is no one rides like Barsha. We all know that the guy is just tons of talent. He hangs it out. I mean, I was geeking over uh, uh, him going over the, the over-under tunnel, just scrubbing, and he's moving the bike around, and just riding with a lot of pizzazz, I want to say, spirit fingers. Um, but uh, 
I, I, I would like to see him do one more, <laughs> one more podium uh, before I say that this guy is going to be a threat. And I say that only because Barsha in the past has done this, where he's gotten out to a really good start to the um, first, I want to say maybe quarter of the season, maybe a little bit more, and then it slowly started to gradually uh, fade and get farther and farther down the finishing order. And I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up that this guy is going to come out um, banging bars throughout the all 17 rounds. So one more would, would kind of let us know, I guess, that, uh, that he's capable of keeping it consistent, riding within his means, and vying for these, uh, these consistent top spots that you really need to set up for a good, good championship run. Uh, not taking anything away from the guy. We all know he's a great rider, past champion, the whole nine. Um, I just think based on his, his performance in his uh, most recent years, uh, we can't quite nail down Varsha as a, as a huge threat until we see a few chinks in his armor ironed out, namely being consistency. Um, as of right now, the guy looks great. The guy looks like he, he can put that Yamaha wherever he wants, and like he's got plenty of power. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but um, after the whoops, that triple on or quad, he was in that quad without, it looks like breaking Easy. sweat where everyone else had to, yeah. had to stretch it out a little bit. Barsha was just, just wicking the throttle, barely good seat bounce, and boom, he was over with room to spare. So you know his bike is fast enough. That you know he's an amazing man. Yeah, the guy, the guy's on probably one of the fastest dirt bikes ever made. So uh, he, he's, he's got what he needs to get the job done. It's just all up to him at this point. And I think, uh, you know, I don't want to jinx it. I think we're, we're seeing a new Barsha as of late. But I'm gonna need one more to really solidify myself on the Barsha bandwagon. Mm. You know who this reminds me of, actually. Who's that? Davy Millsap's 2013 on the Rockstar Suzuki when he led yeah. the points all the way up to what was that Daytona? Like that was yeah. the year where Villapoto gets like really. He starts out super slow. Wasn't really all that dominant. Wasn't really all that uh, consistent. Growing like the the very beginning of the season. And, uh, and leading up to, uh, almost like almost half the series, um, the, the 18 machine had the, the points lead and then, uh, like it, it sort of unraveled from there. That's sort of how I see this, uh, sort of this season starting for, for Justin Barsha. Like if he can, if he can keep this up, that's awesome. I love to see it. Uh, but I, I need to see a little bit more from him. I need to see that he's, uh, consistently staying up there and uh, doing it week in week out and uh and, and actually building a, a lead uh on a, on a weekly basis but i think he's heading in the right direction the guy who's not sitting in the right direction and i said we were going to do this podcast in 45 minutes and we're already knocking on uh, a half hour we haven't talked 250s yet so we're gonna have to maybe uh start to uh hammer down a little bit here we can't get out of the, the 450s without talking about the number one plate that was mired back in 12th and may or may not have been on the lead. Like he might not have been on the lead lap by the end of this thing. Um, the number one machine of Cooper Webb, uh, a chest infection, follow the weekend following a the flu. Like something, something's not right with uh, with Cooper Webb right now. It's it's not looking good. I don't really, I don't like what I'm seeing in qualifying. I don't like what I'm seeing in in the races. He's a non-factor so far. Not the way he wanted to start his title defense. Uh, and a number of points down now. Obviously, he had that podium ride uh, at the first round, but and, and it's a damn good thing he did. Otherwise, he'd, he'd be in way worse shape. Uh, currently down by was that twelve points? 
15 points. Uh, like regardless, that's too many at this point in the season already. Uh, sitting in seventh in points with an average finish uh, outside of 6.5. Um, not where he needs to be, but um, yeah, like, like obviously the the guys the guys sick. Like he, he, there's no other way to put it. Um, whether or not he's able to uh, get some wind in his sails by uh, by the third round is, is yet to be seen. And if he's not able to uh, to get to kind of right the ship soon, this championship might be over before it starts for Cooper Webb. I have to agree, man. It, it, it kind of pains me to say that, but um, like yeah, you're absolutely right. I the mean, front. there are you can't give these guys a single point, a single position because they're all coming for blood, and they smell it right now with Cooper Webb getting twelve. Um, I know that there's ailments and all the other things that go into it, but when you're at a um, at a, at a year like this where you're defending them, uh, defending them on number one plate, you're vying for red plates. Um, your, your, your field is this deep. I mean, you re- you can't afford to have anything less than a podium. And that's at the bare minimum. I think Cooper Webb right now really needs to regroup, uh, figure some things out and get back to that podium spot that he's so accustomed to after last year's run. Um, it's it's not going to be easy. Again, he's got a lot of fast guys ahead of him. I mean, even just the Justin Hill, Plessinger, Baggett, those guys that kind of stacked up in front of him, uh, those guys are all absolute animals, and either one of those guys could win a Supercross race. So I really think that he's got to uh, go back to the drawing board, hammer down these starts, and start to show some of that intensity that we saw last year. Um, because, I, I, you know, I feel like he's transferred all his momentum uh, and speed to the number nine of AC, and uh, he's kind of taken up, you know, what's left. And I feel like there's uh, a little bit of wind in his sails that have been deflated. So I think uh, he's got some, he's got a chance to redeem himself. He could for sure come back from this deficit in points, but uh, I think it has to start right now. I mean, like I said before, you can't give up anything to these guys because they're all vying for that top spot and they are all more than capable of doing it. And uh, I think it's go time for the, uh, for the number one plate. For sure, like, I think he's actually almost benefiting from the fact that uh, Eli Tomac, Adam Cincerillo, and uh, and up, up until this weekend, Ken Roxon was having a little bit off off starts to their to their their weekend or their seasons. Uh, if all three of those guys would have been on the podium, both the first two rounds uh, with uh, Cooper riding the way he has so far, um, it, it, it would be it'd be we'd be already starting to talk talking about panic panic mode here uh, so Cooper did himself a favor by getting a, a third last weekend but uh, uh, that was almost kind of becomes all for naught when you're putting up 12ths and uh, if that's to continue he'll be in some serious trouble but let's talk 250s now um, like shout out to um, before we go 250s shout out to Benny Bloss Planet putting in, in, in the uh, the main event uh, great to see as well as the SBG suspension uh Kawasaki. I know a lot of people were kind of questioning uh, the the sixty one machine of uh, Alex Ray. Uh, will he be able to bounce back after he's basically on a completely different level of ride from last year, riding for Hep Suzuki now with a brand new upstart team um, and uh, like bit of a home race for him. Doesn't live too far away in Tennessee, uh, so he had some family out. He had his chick there and uh, had to get it in through the LCQ. Had his sort of first main event of the year, uh, so uh, a nineteenth comes away from that. Not what he was looking for, but uh, both both Benny Bloss and Alex Ray putting it in the main, probably making some uh, some people some uh, some points in in fantasy. Not me, uh, unfortunately, didn't pick either one of those guys uh, to uh, to do as well as they did. But either way, um, 
Yeah, like uh, those, those two guys showed pretty well for uh, they're finally getting finally putting it in the main, and uh, um, yeah, like both guys are basically taking a huge not a huge step back, but a, a considerable step back from uh, the position in the rider or the ride that they carried last season. Yeah, I would I would I would say so, but um, still, it's still cool to see uh, to see them still able to to perform and put their name out there. I mean. I, Alex Ray has been just working super, super hard, and he's actually liking that Kawasaki, which is super cool. I did not think um, that he would get used to the bike this fast. I thought that he would be a little bit more, um, I guess, picky with his package. Um, but you know, after talking with the SGB guys and his mechanic, he's really loving the motorcycle, loving the power output, loving the way it handles. Um, and it's great to see that he's actually riding the way that you know we expect him to ride. Um, no, I, I. I one more person, I think that he could very well be in that top 16's position, maybe even the top 15. Um, by middle of the season, he's extremely talented, and I think once he gets used to um, a new season, being back on the being back on the bike for a little bit, and and being back in the racing scene, um, I think he'll really uh, he'll really start to shine and, and show you guys something. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some good rides out of both those boys as the weekends go forward so let's talk 250s let's wrap this thing up in short order um main storylines from the 250s a we had uh your defending champion the one w on the ground uh and uh, him and uh him and michael mosman are not buddies right now uh mosman is about as polite and soft-spoken uh as they come but uh he might have uh a, a stern word to uh to say to uh the frenchman uh next weekend if if they do end up chatting because uh yeah they come together on that first straightaway uh just a butt ugly start to the race Ferrandez a full lap down he actually unlaps himself and and works all the way up to 12th at some point pretty impressive ride for the guy and sort of damage control um but austin forkner after a butt ugly weekend last weekend where uh, he ends up he's leaving laps and then ends up colliding with some tough blocks has to make it has to it just sort of makes life harder on himself by by not thinking clearly goes through the, the tough blocks uh, holds up for Ferranis a little bit but uh, sort of puts himself back into the third spot after a little bit but his dock two spots ends up fifth uh, he goes out there and he leads every single lap of this main event. He started first. He ended first. He qualified. Uh, he 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 owned he, he he won his heat race. Basically, a perfect day for Austin Forkner uh, as he takes uh, his first main event win of 2020. Um, yeah, I guess uh, no worries whatsoever. He's uh, only five points down in the championship behind Cooper uh, or Justin Cooper. So yeah, like it's uh, if, if you're if you're Austin Forkner, uh, you're a fan of going to St. Louis. He uh, he he. It was the show me state. And uh, he went ahead and did it. Yeah, I think this was a really good ride for Forkner. I mean, it was a great redemption ride, um, being that it's more of an East Coast feel and his home race. So super cool that uh, he was able to, to rebound and not really have last weekend way too heavy on him, almost hit the reset button. And he came out and smoked it on the day, man. Got a really good start and um, rode a relatively, I guess, stress-free ride. Um he did have Cooper kind of breathing on his neck a little bit. Didn't really uh, give him, uh, didn't really let him up too much. Um, but it still, uh, it still felt like uh, Forkner had the race kind of covered on his end and um, and just 
just wrote within within his means, which is was really cool to see. So um, hats off for a great ride to Forkner. I mean, I know the PC guys are um, hooting and hollering about this, um, being that the the Star Racing guys came in with such uh, hype around them and such force with um, you know two of the fastest guys in the class. Arguably, um, I think this gives that team great confidence moving forward. Um, one thing that I would have loved to see is uh, if Ferrandis, Cooper, and Forkner all got out to a top three start and rode without any mishap. I would love to see them all out battle between those three guys for who had the fastest lap, um, who was able to make the, the smartest moves, the best line choices, and come out uh, with the win on, uh, on Saturday. But we'll have to wait at least another weekend for that. Um, but it, it was it's awesome throwing more parity into this class. Um, maybe people that rode off Forkner um, after that uh, that debacle in A1, they're probably hopping back on the Cooper, uh, the sorry, the Austin Forkner train and off of Cooper. So um, I'm I'm really excited to see what happens in this next week. Going back to Anaheim, um, all the hype that's around that's associated with that race, I'm really excited to see if Forkner can back this up or if a little bit of the pressure gets to him or if this kind of deflates Cooper. I, I would love to see how this plays out. Yeah, I think we're we're gonna see some fireworks in that class, and uh, by no means is uh, Dylan Fran is completely out of this one. But officially, there is no more room for uh, any type of like there's there's no room for for uh, there's no wiggle room anymore, no uh, room for error. He's got to win races. He's got to uh, get closer to that points lead. Uh, he's got to chip away at this thing. He's not going to be able to get it back all in one night. But um, the the other two have established themselves as basically your 1A, 1B uh, for the championship. So um, he's got his work cut out for him. Uh, you know he's not going to be happy about it, but I think that's going to uh, light a fire under his ass. And uh, I, th- I think uh, on a Monday, you can call... Dylan Ferrandez, at least for fastest qualifier at Anaheim too, and most likely your main event win. The guy need the guy knows how to get uh, main event wins when he needs them, and uh, I think he's going to be uh, a pretty safe bet for uh, for for the main event this this coming weekend. Um, Brandon Hartraft rounds out your podium. Uh, the kid basically looks like Ivan Drago. He's he's fifty feet tall and bulletproof. The kid is, he, he's Probably also like low key one of the best looking dudes in the pits. Like he just he just got that strong jaw. He's got that like the that that perfect look. He like he he might have a, a like hit between him and Colt Nichols. Like they're 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 like basically uh, battling it out for who's got the um like the the more promising modeling career at, when if motocross doesn't work out. But uh, what what did you see from from Brandon Hartraff where this kid is just uh he he's he's got the one of the sickest kits out there. You the Troy Lee head to toe. Troy Lee KTM puts that thing on the podium, uh, and and a much needed podium for that team. They'd been uh, kind of searching for one for a bit. I thought this was a great ride uh, for Brandon. I mean, we we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show. Um, he he's a talented guy. He he's not the guy that we talk about when we say the elite of the class, uh, title contenders, um, or any, anything like that. But he is a very talented rider. Um, he can make these strides forward, and I think that this ride was one of those strides forward that he needs to kind of solidify himself and 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 get up there to that next that next level. Um, I thought it was a very uh, very strong ride. He rode very smooth. Didn't get 
you know, too uh, out of sorts, and he's not one to really over-push that much. So um, really cool to see a 250 rider that's cool, calm, and collected uh, and not going all out or too erratic. Um, I, and I thought that um, he kind of capitalized on a lot of the mistakes out there. So in order to have a great race, one key is you got to be there. You got to – it's the win or the good ride gets the guy that's the most consistent, sits out of trouble, uh, puts together the most um, worry-free, stress-free laps, and he did just that. I mean, he really got himself away from all the carnage, made the passes he needed to make, capitalized on people's mistakes, and was that guy. Um, I do see this as being a step uh, in the right direction for the team. I think he's got a lot more in the tank. I think that um, Brandon could really, um, really push these guys and be like that wild card for a third or a second. Um, or, you know, if he's able to up the intensity just a little bit, he could be a threat for a win even. So, um, I did not, I'll be honest, I did not think that we would see a podium from him this early on in the season, and it just gets me even more excited for what he's capable of, uh, you know, later on when we're hitting, uh, you know, round four, round five, uh, with the, with this, uh, with this series. So, uh, hats off to the, to the KTM guys. I agree with you. They needed this. Um, those guys are every bit as capable of winning races as any other team, uh, and I think that start in the right direction is happening with uh, with Heart Ramp. So, um, yeah, keep an eye on this guy, man. He's, he's going to have a lot more of these rides where he's just sneaking in for that sneaky third, then a second, and before you know it, he could have a win. Yeah, absolutely can, and I, th- I think he's going to, um, especially if things keep breaking his way. Uh, sort of handed one a little bit with uh, with Jetson, uh, sort of uh, going uh, and th- tossing that away a little bit late in the race. Um, there was like a serious chance at Jet Lawrence getting his first podium in Supercross. Uh, I mentioned this to you on our Instagram live. The kid looked like a, a grenade with the, the pin pulled the entire. Uh, qualifying day. I was a little bit worried about him, but uh, the kid goes out there, gets a great start, and just hangs there. Like, talk about riding over your head and making it look pretty, like, pretty impressive. Like, you know the kid must have been going, like, he had to have been going at least almost a second and a half faster per lap during the main than he was he was capable of doing during the qualifying sessions. Uh, so, that in and of itself has got to have his heart rate spiked. I think that possibly could be why uh, he ended up blowing up a little bit and making a mistake late in the race. But a fifth best uh, professional uh, um, Supercross forms uh, to date. This kid is a, a, a serious rising talent. And um, yeah, it was great to see. In fact, there's a lot of guys who had really good good weekends. Luke Clout with a seventh. Uh, Jacob Hayes with a sixth. Great ride from Jacob Hayes on that Gas Monkey uh, Husqvarna. Um, as well as Mitchell Oldenburg uh, with an eighth. I think he was running even fat, uh, higher than that at some point. Yeah, he started out sixth. Good ride from Mitchell Oldenburg. And a, and a career best from Carson Brown. So uh, some career days from some guys who uh, were really making some something special happen in St. Louis. Something about that dirt, man. Yeah, it brings out the best in riders, man. When you're able to just be able to hook up, um, you know, rail some corners and um, and really have the track break down in a way that's conducive to great racing, great passes, great options. Um, this is what happens, man. After one, I know that, um, you know, a rider like Luke Clout really needed this upward tick um, to help with confidence, man. You know, we've, we've seen him at a low a little bit. So I think this is, again, a step in the right direction for yet another rider. Really cool to see Carson Brown up there, Mr. Pitt, like rider extraordinaire. Um, this is this is a good stepping stone for his uh, career. He's still early on, a top 10 with this caliber of riders that we have in 2020. It bodes very well for him, and I know it's going to be a, um, like that pep in the step that he needs to, to start 
you know, making a, a run for better and better finishes. So, uh, super, super good to see that, man. I mean, I, I love just how many riders are, are in the top 10 right now that we really weren't talking about last weekend. Um, and again, it adds just more parity to this, to this class. And, um, you know, this is 2020 is one year where I could see just a different guy winning every single weekend and guys that we haven't really talked about that are, that are on our radar. So, uh, it could shake up to be something that's, uh, pretty interesting um to the least but you know gotta mention the um lackluster ride by ferrandis that's my number one pick for this series and with this 12th man that really puts a damper on things is going to have to really rebound hard over the next couple of weeks uh in order to make that uh that championship a reality once more so uh, it's, it's tough man it, it's definitely tough for that guy Hey, if anybody can do it, it's Dylan right now. Honestly, the kid's got crazy speed. And let's not forget that this time last year, uh, he had a, probably a more worthy adversary in Adam Cincerullo, and he was able to run him down and, uh, and and collect the championship at the very end. Of course, he kind of had to have things break his way a little bit, but he made his own luck by winning a lot of those races and, and doing well. Uh, hopefully that Christian Craig's doing all right. I heard that he is doing okay. Obviously wins the, uh, the, the heat race, qualifies first, starts out fourth. And I think he sort of got, uh, thrown off, uh, his rhythm, the one in the, in the rhythm section with the, uh, with the, the, the three onto the table kind of got caught in behind, uh, uh, Jet Lawrence. And I believe it was another Honda rider. I think that might've been Mitchell Oldenburg. I think that kind of like screwed him up a little bit crashes in that rhythm section takes a handlebar to the midsection goes down uh and, and that was basically all she wrote for his night uh really bummed but he will be back in full force uh at anaheim too can't close off this podcast without giving a huge shout out to cheyenne Harmon, the guy i believe i don't think he had made a uh, main event in the 250 class prior to this if he has, I apologize. Maybe he made it last year at uh, San Diego. I thought that was 450 class. But anyway, the 118 in your program puts it in the main. He's doing. It. He's literally sponsored by CheyenneHarmon.com. His sponsors uh, from the uh, his the team he was on uh, leading into the series uh, uh, had kind of went in another direction, uh, really close to the beginning of, before the season. So kind of left him a little bit high and dry. Uh, to scramble and put something together, he goes ahead and does that, and I believe he uh, finished ahead of uh, all of the uh, the riders on that team. So uh, that's a bit of a feather in his cap, a 19th uh, for his efforts. Um, obviously, probably maybe looking for a little bit better uh, finish in the main, but to put it into the main and uh, on a completely privateer effort, literally funded by himself. Uh, Cheyenne Harmon, uh, the kids, uh, like he's literally, I, I seen the kid's leg during, uh, a track walk this last weekend. He literally has like one of his bones almost sticking through the skin on one of like his, his one leg is completely mangled. He still rides like that. Like, I don't even know how these guys do it sometimes. Uh, and, uh, like, it's just insane to see what these guys do. Um, you said it, man, the toughest riders in the sport. I mean, half these guys are riding with, you know, smashed collarbones, half of them don't have, uh, you know, ligaments in their knees, H20, CL, just, I mean, you name it, man. All these guys are riding on just such crazy, crazy ailments and injuries that would, I mean, just deflate any other pro athlete in any other discipline of uh, professional sports. And, yeah, I think motocross, supercross, you got the toughest, most gritty gritty guys, and, uh, yeah, they don't let anything stop them from – Chasing their dreams and, and getting these uh, these supercross rides that I know a lot of them want. So 
Um, yeah, for Cheyenne Harmon, hats off for a great ride. Um, sticking it out <laughs> with, with a mangled leg. Um, just really all these riders, man. They're, they're freaking superheroes the way they're able to just dig deep, put the pain out of their mind, and get the job done. Absolutely. And just quickly looking at the point system for uh, the, the, the 250 West, I've never seen this before. Not one, two, three, but four guys tied on 22 points. So you basically have uh, four guys tied for eighth in points, including, uh, no, two, for ninth, Christian Craig, uh, Mosman, Oldenburg, and Carson Brown, all tied on 22 points. You got two guys tied on 23 points, Jet Lawrence and, and Jacob Hayes, uh, respectively, and three guys sharing uh, the 14th spot on 17 points so far on the season. Just speaking to the speaking volumes to the, how much parity we have in this class right now, I absolutely love it. This is going to be an amazing 250 West series. But uh, th- I, I think that spells uh, the end of the podcast, my friend. Uh, before I let you go, where can people find out more information on the collective? Uh, they can head to thecollectivexp.com or at the collective EX on Instagram. We've got tons of spots open for our internship program as well as our TCSX uh, fan experience program where we cater uh, to every VIP fan and make them feel like they're part of the racing family. I mean, everyone gets track walks, tons of free swag, opportunities to meet industry people like yourself, Mr. Brad Gebhardt of Big Mix Radio. Uh, and we're really just taking them and immersing them in a sport like they've never imagined before. The access you get, the content, the pictures, the swag, the connections, the memories, they're just second to none. And we're really excited uh, to provide this for fans from all over the world every single weekend. Uh, we've got a spot opened up, uh, actually two spots opened up this weekend for interns at A2. Uh, so be sure to uh, DM us, send us an, uh, an email at contact at the collectivexp.com. Um, we'll be sure to uh, try to get as many people on the roster as possible. Um, yeah, and we just, we just want to keep changing the sport as much as we can, helping the riders, helping the teams, um, helping the fans, and growing our sport in the best way possible through fan experience and total immersion. So, uh, yeah, thanks to everybody that supports us, and thank you for everyone that uh, has continued to uh, keep checking us out on Big Mix Radio. Right on, brother. Well, I really appreciate the time. Do not hang up just yet. For podcast sake, we're going to cut it off. Right there.